Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast, the GQP's worst enemy, Ben Micellis, joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest, the one and only Long Islander, Michael Cohen, the host of the Maya Culpa podcast that is also executive produced by none other than the three brothers who host this podcast. It's been a great relationship with Michael Cohen over the past, what has it been, eight, nine months? And really enjoying wow, yeah. just to have seeing Michael the success the of that There's podcast. something about having other Long Islanders on the podcast. It's, it's just like, it feels so much more natural having a conversation with someone like that. You can see Cohen, he dresses up when he goes on CNN. I'm not sure if you've seen Cohen on CNN. He like does the whole. Yeah, we got to ask him about this. What makes no sense to me is that the clips that we put out do 10x the views alone on Twitter, on, on YouTube than the ones that he does on CNN. So it actually, he needs to reverse that. Old media, old media Cohen, OMC. Hey. Oh. Well, maybe that's why, guys, though, we're, more, we're a more relaxed environment here, you know? He doesn't need to feel so stiff as like when he's on the CNNs and the MSNBCs of the world. He gets to just be himself and unleash and give us the truth about Rudy Giuliani and the truth about Donald Trump and Don Jr. and all of these criminals who are going down. So I'm excited to get the insight from the man who was on the other side of this not too long ago. Now he is hopefully having some vindication and he is setting the record straight. Excited to have Michael Cohen on. Should we get into the news? I want to address something really quick here before we get into it. So what is that, Jordy? I, I want to walk our listeners through the psyche of Ben Micellis and how he goes and uses his brother jujitsu. Jordy so is me, going off outline right now. I'm let, just going to tell you, we prepare for these shows. We do not prepare for whatever Jordy's about to drop. Ben has no idea what's coming. So let me take you back to Saturday night. And this will be fairly quick. Saturday night, boom, post a picture of my spite beard on Instagram and Twitter. For those listening, Ben grew a really awful beard a few weeks back. So I grew a spite beard just to make fun of him because Ben just hates things that he can't control. Ben's a hardworking guy. You know, he, he Mr. Hustle, self-proclaimed. And if there's anything he can't control, like growing a beard, it drives him crazy. So I grew my spite beard really just to just a nudge at my older brother. And so I post the photo, I ask folks to follow me on Instagram, trying to grow that channel. And what does Ben do? Ben quote tweets my photo and he says, this, what he does all day. What the fuck? Now, <laughs> wait, now, was this the photo of you? Um, just to confirm, I, there was a photo of you with your beard and you were yes. like twirling yeah. the bottom of your beard. Of course, that was an extra little Emily, dig at Ben. Because my wife came to me and she said, why is Jordy twirling his beard in this Twitter photo? And why did he post this photo? And I had to explain the back. Yeah. So that was the one. Okay, got it. There you go. And so by doing this, Ben thinks that all, you know, the quote unquote team Ben's of the world out there, right, that they're going to comment, you know, um, favorably towards him. But I can't even begin to tell you how wrong and miscalculated he was. The comments on Ben's quote tweet are just brutal. Hey, man, you lost the competition. Jordy's beard's clearly better than yours. Blah, blah, blah. Just things along that vein. And so then what does Ben do? He uses his brother jujitsu. He realizes he lost. And then that Saturday, the brothers get on a phone call where Brett 
uh, is using a video chat feature. And so Ben knows that he lost the competition to me already. But what does Ben do? Ben takes a really unappealing photo screenshot of Brett, not cleared by any of the brothers, and then posts it on Twitter just because he wants to deflect all of this, all of Beardgate, all of Spite Beardgate, and now put the conversation solely on Brett. Brett, have I misrepresented anything that went down? No, I think it's an accurate representation. However, I would like to ask you, and I appreciate you coming to my defense at the end there with the horrific photo that Ben posted. Have we gone I, through it, Jordy? Is that you going through the psyche? I think that's Jordy going through the psyche. That, but that's the psyche, yeah. I, I think my, my first question would be, though, to you, Jordy, and... You know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Midas Touch is a, you know, political organization with the goal of defeating Trump and Trumpism, keeping Joe Biden in power, electing Joe Biden, winning Georgia. We did all those things. So I just want to kind of figure out with all this beard talk, um, how does that help us keep Joe Biden in the White House? I'll say this to you. I have that photo still that Ben posted that you cried about and made us take off. So if you really want to go this route, I will post that photo again after I just said all the nice things about you. Let me be the arbiter of this dispute. Jordy, you've <laughs> lost the debate to Brett here, clearly. And let me tell you why you've lost the debate to Brett, Jordy. There's no brother jujitsu at all that's taking place. And I'm being a fair and impartial judge of just the arguments. I saw you make an argument and I saw Brett make an argument. At the end of the day, this is a political action committee. And all of this brother jujitsu stuff, is the most crazy stuff in the world. There's no brother jujitsu. I literally saw a photo of you that you posted with yourself twirling a beard and there was no jujitsu. I just genuinely wanted to know what the fuck are you doing by twirling your beard? No, no jujitsu. And I don't care what people responded in the comments because the fact that they say you look good in a beard has nothing to do with what the political action committee is doing. So those comments don't prove or disprove anything other than you have a good beard, which is great. Great for you. But that's not the point of what the political action committee is. You can tell so when, you figure out a way, when you figure really out a way to turn him. the beard into votes, then let us know. And then we'll go full speed. Exactly. Ahead. Brett wins the Jordy. debate. Jordy, you came in second. Let's go on <laughs> to the news right here. And we're going to start with the Pentagon canceling the border wall bullshit projects of the former guy who diverted funds from the defense bill funds that was supposed to go for our troops to build a border wall that never even got built. Number one. And number two, even if it did get built, which it did not, it would not stop anybody because in the modern day, there's things called ladders and there's things called tunnels and there's other, and there's things called boats and there's we've all ways. seen the videos of people just easily climbing the wall in record time, just climbing it right away. And I think this is one of the most under talked about things about Trump's attempt to build the wall. He was stealing from the military to build this wall. He was stealing from the Pentagon. And nobody talks about that. And not insignificant money, according to an ABC News report, 17 billion dollars in funds were diverted by the Trump administration. Trump defunded the military to put up a fake border wall that never even got put up to begin with. And the Biden DOD Department of Defense has now reclaimed that money and has put that money back towards the military, which was the smart thing to do. But again, let's be clear. 
Trump defunded our military, put our troops at risk. I mean, constantly. And again, just basically allying himself, you know, with Putin and not even calling out the fact that there were bounties placed on our soldiers head funded by the Russians, amongst other things. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Biden administration again delivering and saying we are returning this money to where it actually belongs. Did you guys see the story about so apparently Trump now in his uh, Elvis Presley fascist phase in uh, careful with the Elvis, careful, careful with the Elvis comparison. I, I got blasted on Twitter for, for doing that one. I called it fascist Elvis Presley. Fascist Elvis. Jordy, what I noticed, though, was a few days after you made that comment, then you said, yeah. you know what? You know what Trump is? He's fat Elvis right now. He cannot be any. He, that's who he is. Acosta used the same line on CNN. He really? he called him. Yeah, he called him Elvis. He's like, this is like Elvis past his prime. But it's so much sadder and, and more pathetic. And now Trump. And by the way, you know, let, let, let me step back for a second. I want to talk to you guys about something, you know. We, we've done it. I see a lot of people do it. Calling Trump former guy, you know, based on Joe Biden, you know, jokingly referring to him in that way during, I believe it was a town hall a couple months ago. What do you think about this label? Do you think it do you think it takes away from the seriousness of the threat that is Donald Trump? I mean, is this somebody who, in my opinion, maybe we should be saying his name. Maybe we shouldn't be afraid to say his name. I know he wants attention, but we need to be able to call this out because this guy is an ever-present threat to American democracy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Jordy's take on it. My own take is I really don't care. Um, at the end of the day, as long as we call this, you know, this idiot criminal out, for what he is and, and who he is, you know, and we know generally who he's talking to. I'm fine with it. I think that, you know, for the reasons we're about to talk about with this particular story, people don't even want to echo and hear his name because even the T word is so puke inducing. I mean, I understand just, I, when it, I hear him speak even, and when I see his face, I have a visceral reaction, like a gut reaction that I've never felt towards anybody or anything really in my life. That's so instantaneous that I, I just feel queasy and sick mm -hmm. when I hear him. So I understand that his name could be a, a trigger for a lot of people. Yeah. Look, for, former guy, it's just easy, right? It makes sense. Um, caught on in the Twitter sphere. But uh, I, I personally, I, I would prefer like trader guy, you know, something a little bit more damning than just former. Former seems kind of light. But again, uh, I'm not losing sleep over it. Exactly. Well, and this is what you want to call him former guy, the T word, the trader guy, whatever you want to say. The statement that he gave is he wrote the fraudulent presidential election of 2020 will be from this day forth known as the, and this is in capital letters, the big lie Trump statement, Fred, you know, because obviously the big lie is Trump's big lie, his Hitler-esque lie that the election was stolen, which has been disproven over and over again by his own judges, um, by members of his own party, by anybody who has any scintilla of logic and cares, any scintilla or the truth. But it's that big lie. Why are we calling it a big lie? It is a big lie, one, because it is legitimately no truth to it. But the ramifications of the lie is the very degradation of our democracy, of our country. We call it the big lie 
because that big lie led to an insurrection against our government that led to the deaths of multiple people, including Capitol police officers. We call it the big lie because it was the most embarrassing moment and moments of our nation's history. And the fact that the GQP still rallies around him, calls him their leader when he makes statements like this, just goes to show you how pathetic, how disgusting, how crooked and how criminal these people are. I said it in a tweet. And in the tweet I said, I said, sadly, there's no such thing as a good person anymore who is a Republican. You can't be a part of this crew and be a good person because being a member of this crew means that you at some level agree with that statement. And you hear, you see people like Mitt Romney, you know, who goes and he tries to have it both ways because I don't support former guy. I don't support, you know, Donald Trump, but I'm still a Republican. Well, he goes into the Maverick Center on Saturday at a GQP convention. There was a state party convention there. And why don't we play the clip of what happened to Mitt Romney pretending or thinking that he can still be a Republican in this crazy party. And let me just say, too, this is in Utah. So what do you think about President Biden's first hundred days? I like how he's already getting booed. And so he tries to throw Biden under there. Who says what he thinks, and I don't hide the fact that I wasn't a fan of our last president's character issues. And I'm also no fan. Aren't you embarrassed? I mean, look, this man was their candidate for president. In 2012, that's not that long ago. And did you hear what Romney said at the end there? He said, aren't you embarrassed? He asked the crowd while they were booing him. And guess what, Mitt Romney? They're not embarrassed. They love this shit. They, They don't view America as a democracy. The GQP views America as WWE fascism. That's what they view. They want to destroy the country. And yet you still idiot Mitt Romney Hang with these fuckheads. Mitt, like at the end of the day, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is not your Republican Party. This is a new Republican Party that is just essentially embraced fascism. And one of the reasons also why this big lie is so important and so devastating, it's like what Voltaire said, anyone who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And what Trump is able to do is because he's able to make his people believe these utterly absurd things, these fantasies, these total fabrications, he's then able to use those fabrications. He's able to use that big lie to mobilize him, to attack dissenters like Mitt Romney, to attack dissenters like Liz Cheney, who made a statement today after Trump's statement was released, saying the 2020 presidential election was not stolen. Anyone who claims it was is spreading the big lie, turning their back on the rule of law and poisoning our democratic system. And while I applaud Liz Cheney for standing up for democracy and being the one sane Republican 
in this party. I just want to ask, at what point do you say this is not a party worth saving? Become an independent if you have to. Become a Democrat along the lines of Joe Manchin. We'll complain about you all the time, but at least you'll be standing on the side of democracy. And isn't that what you want? Or do you want to be a member of the fascist party? I think at the very least, too, I, you know, you want someone who knows, um, I guess, even how to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, these fascist fuckheads in the GQP are so performative. You know, there was that great uh, video that, that we did, Brett, with the snake. We did it in the snake and then we put it again in um, uh, one of the GQP pedo ring style videos. Not the most recent one, but pedo Trump, um, which was a, a, a big hit. And it was Trump humping the American flag. He kind of hugs it yep, yep. and then tries to hump the American flag. And the crowd is cheering for him. It's the most disrespectful thing you could do for the flag. And then on this Sunday, you saw Michael Flynn, the disgraced Russian agent, leading uh, a pledge of allegiance at a QAnon rally led by Linwood. Like you can't make the, like this shit up. <laughs> a Russian spy who was basically allowed to run our national security agency under the Trump administration is at a QAnon rally led by QAnon cult leader Lynn Wood. And all he has to do is recite the Pledge of Allegiance. And he can't even get the words right. Listen, I'm going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You're going to say it along with me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, individual, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God bless you. So he doesn't know the words to the Pledge of Allegiance. But guess what people dug up in 2018? Michael Flynn flawlessly citing, reciting the QAnon Pledge of Allegiance with his family. He can't even make this shit up. I, Jack Flynn, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, that I will support and defend, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. Where we go, one we go all. Where we go, one we go all. God bless all right, we're not playing. This. All right, we don't need to play the whole QAnon Pledge of Allegiance for everybody. But the fact that there is a QAnon Pledge of Allegiance is fucking frightening. So you got a little treasonous there to have an alternate Pledge of Allegiance. Like, who are you pledging allegiance it's, to? It's so fucking weird. They're so fucking weird. So we got psychos, fascists, cult leaders. And then you also got Senator Chuck Grassley, who's probably all of those things, including senile. And I've done the Chuck Grassley, Senator Grassley riff before because he's, he's over 90 years old or he's about 90. They still allow him to tweet, apparently, you know, and a lot of times you'll see his tweets and they are the craziest things you'll ever read. And as I've said before, it's always like, you know, uh, found your pigeon lost underneath the horse. Horse, he said, pigeon, no good, no good. Pigeon, pigeon, contact the pigeon leader, leader. Yeah, they don't make jump sense. In, jump in by, see ya. And you're like, what the fuck? And every letter spelled wrong, pigeon spelled wrong, horses spelled wrong. I, you have no clue what he's talking about. And then like, you're like, wait a minute, did someone hack into it? And he was like, no, no, no. That's just how Chuck Grasley tweets. <laughs> Over this weekend, this was the tweet that he uh, that he did. He said, these cable companies are getting too big, like Goggle, so they can ignore their customers. FNC has taken their ticker off. 
for those of us tired of hearing the same story 10 times, we can mute and read. So now just turn to another channel, not history's ch. So that was a senator of the United States, a GQP member communicating. This is what I've said over and over again. Yes, their policies are horrible. There's no policy whatsoever. These are bad, weird, loser, disgusting people. And I'll go back to Mitt Romney here for a second, because I, you know, I remember vividly when Mitt Romney was running against President Obama. Obviously, I was a huge supporter of President Obama. But in that race, I did not feel like if Mitt Romney won the election, it would be the end of American democracy as we know it. I, you kind of had an idea of what Mitt was. You knew his policies. You knew he was a very economic-based guy. I think he had policies that were, would be disastrous for this country. But I didn't think he was anti-American. I didn't think he was a fascist guy. But these Republicans, the Chuck Grassleys, the Ron Johnsons, the Ted Cruz's, the Josh Hawley's, these are no Mitt Romney's. These are no ordinary Republicans. And Ben, as you say all the time, these are no conservatives at all. I'd hesitate to even call them American at the end of the day. These are no, fascists. they're worse. They're, they, they are traitors to this country. These are absolutely fascists. And they're leading us in the wrong direction, seemingly on every single policy. I really, I, I want you to tell me, honestly, if you're out there, tell me one good thing the GOP has done in the past 30 years. I want to know, tell me one good thing that has benefited the people. I'm not talking about the wealthiest Americans benefited the people. And we're seeing it right now with COVID because President Biden is handling COVID brilliantly, in my opinion. I mean, we have more than 200 million vaccines being distributed. We have a real plan, a real strategy. Ben, Los Angeles, zero COVID deaths for the first time since last March. That's wild. Unbelievable. I've honestly been like so excited to see that day. And I cannot wait for that day in American history that is yet to come where we will mark zero COVID deaths in this country. But zero COVID deaths in LA is a good start. And why? Because COVID, because Los Angeles and California has taken great measures to contain the spread of COVID. Now, what do we see on the Republican side, on the GQP side? Donald Trump led us into disaster. Over 550,000 COVID deaths. And here's the thing the that one really that freaking is actually 591,354 deaths. And here's, here's the infuriating thing to me and the hypocrisy of, of it all, really. I mean, the same crew who was talking about herd immunity, herd immunity, herd immunity, or as Trump fucking stupidly said, herd mentality. Um, the same group that has been refusing to get the vaccine, the same group that has been refusing to wear masks is the reason why today the New York Times came out and said the U.S. may in fact never even reach herd immunity. Why? Because of these people because of the people who are resistant to taking the health measures necessary to keep this pandemic under control. Why is it taking longer than other countries to reopen up our businesses, to reopen up our schools? Because these people refuse to wear masks and get vaccinated. These people are making the problem significantly worse, and then they're complaining about it when it gets worse. 
because of their own doing. The hypocrisy is just astounding here. Let's be clear, Brett. These people are the GQP. That's who these people are. It's not this side or that side. It's the GQP leaders spreading disinformation about COVID is the very reason why we won't reach herd immunity. It's the fact that GQP leaders such as Tucker Carlson, such as Sean Hannity, you know, such as, you know, on the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, a very influential podcaster who's out there saying, you know, that young people don't need to get vaccines and when fact checked and saying, look, even if young people are healthy, the point is to protect older people. You know, and John Oliver did a great segment fact checking it. And Rogan actually said, I'm a dumbass. Don't ever fucking listen to me. <laughs> um, I guess it's refreshing that Rogan said it. But the mm-hmm. problem is, is that the GQP is so inclined to believe that this info that they're still going to listen to it, despite the fucking disclaimer. They've been so trained, the GQP cult, to just believe the lie, the big lie, the crazy lie, and not believe the science. They'll literally believe and support whatever's fucking wrong. You cannot even have a rational discussion with these people because even when you're right, they'll just go, oh, that's fake news. That's not a true source. The scientist is a fucking liar. You can't believe science. You can never even have a rational conversation with, with these people. And that's why you said, Brett, I hope there's a day where there will be zero COVID deaths in the United States. But what the New York Times article about we're unable to reach herd immunity is also saying is that, unfortunately, because GQP has given this disinfo and people are not getting the vaccines, despite the fact that they are available, anybody who wants a vaccine can go and get a vaccine right now. The fact that there's disinfo saying don't get a vaccine. You're literally killing your own people just just to be a fucking difficult motherfucker. And it's the most dumb thing in the world because you're going to die. Your family members going to die or have the chance of dying. Even if there's the chance of dying, why not make everybody or try to make everybody healthy? I can't even have a rational conversation with you if you don't believe that people should be healthy. Like, how do you even have any conversation, you know, with that person? And so, Brett, I hope for that day. But unfortunately, the story, the, the, the New York Times article basically is, is that we'll be able to check it and try to control it. But even if you saw, you know, be, you know before there was the announcement, um, you know, a bit earlier today that Governor Death Santis, you know, wants to immediately remove all of the restrictions immediately. You know, you know, and all emergency orders are away. These GQP members are so pissed off that Biden's plan is succeeding that rather than just even wait a few more weeks or maybe another month to make sure it succeeds to 100 percent, they want to remove restrictions so people can die purely to, as a political fucking counter maneuver to Biden. These are fucking evil, 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 disgusting, disgusting human beings. Let me be clear, though, here, too, because the media gives Ron DeSantis a pass and the Republican Party pitches Ron DeSantis as some sort of hero. Florida's COVID numbers, they have the highest new COVID case rate in the entire country. And they have the third highest number of daily deaths in the United States. And this is the guy who Republicans hold as an example of what America should be. This is the guy who they are saying this should be our next president. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in California, that has the lowest COVID rates in the country, 
They're trying to recall Gavin Newsom because he once ate out at a restaurant and they're upset about the COVID restrictions. Wrong, Brett. It's not the restaurant. They, I mean, the restaurant is, is one of the things that, that they point out, but their sole basis of the recall against Newsom are the restrictions that he put on COVID where the lowest infection rate in the country is in California. They are doing a recall against Gavin Newsom precisely because he's followed the science at the end. And been incredibly successful at it and has the results to prove it. And if you look at the success, look up the map, look up the map. Maybe we'll we'll post it. If you look at the success of COVID-19 control in the United States of America, it eerily resembles the electoral college map of 2020, nearly to a T. You see that in the places that voted for Joe Biden, cases are plummeting. Deaths are plummeting. There are more vaccinations. In the red states that voted for Donald Trump, cases are beginning to go up again. People are being hesitant to get the vaccine, and they are headed for more death, unfortunately because of this disinformation, because of the Donald Trumps, because of this toxic Fox News, because of people like Ron DeSantis who think they know better than scientific experts. And by the way, I think this is why we're getting polls that show that the American people overwhelmingly give President Biden the stamp of approval with how he's been dealing with COVID. Jordy, did you just say stamp of approval? I sure did. Because this feels like a good time to talk about stamps.com. Oh, I think it is a perfect time to talk about stamps.com. And look, we utilize stamps.com because if you're still going to the post office, uh, the Midas Mighty are more tech savvy than that. You're still paying full price for postage. How could you be a Midas Mighty member if you're doing that? Thanks to stamps.com, you don't have to do that anymore. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from the United States Postal Service, UPS, and more. And I'll tell you how we use stamps.com lately. Y'all getting your membership cards. Y'all are getting your Midas Touch merchandise right now. That is care of stamps.com. That's how we are running our operations here. Stamps.com brings the services of the United States Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending invoices, a side hustle shipping out orders, or just navigating the hybrid work life. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over 1 million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and shipping and count Midas Touch as one of those million. It's just one of those. It's one of those things that's a no brainer, right? It's like, do you want to get up and leave your house? Do you want to pay more? Do you want to do extra work? Or do you just want to use stamps.com and get the job done without leaving your chair and get, be able to move on and get your business done and sell more products and get more things out there. It's the biggest no brainer ever. In my opinion, go to stamps.com. Stop wasting your time. Don't go to the post office because there's no risk with this. If you use the promo code Midas, that's M-E-I-D-A-S. You get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There are no long-term commitments or contracts. You go to stamps.com. You click the microphone on the top of the homepage and you type in Midas. 
That's stamps.com, promo code M-E-I-D-A-S, stamps.com. You never have to go to the post office again. And like I said, make your life easier. And hey, you're getting free. You're getting free stuff. Brett loves stamps, by I the way. I love stamps. You're getting free stuff. You're getting- but I used to collect stamps growing up. First off, I'm sure, you know, just for the digital scale alone to get that for free, I feel like that's worth it, right? I mean, you just type in Midas, they send you a free digital scale. Absolutely. And free postage. So you get to send free letters. It's a no brainer. And we should mention though, Brett too, after stamps.com though, you know, you know, as I said, that's how the merch is being, um, you know, how we're shipping merch, how we're shipping your Midas touch membership cards. Both are doing great, but um, the Midas touch merch is like crushing it and flying yeah. off the shelves. People are loving the vaxxed and relaxed shirts. People are loving club democracy. People are liking the because truth is golden shirts, the hats, the masks. Go check it out. After you go to stamps.com, go to stamps.com first and then go and check out the Midas Touch merch that we have out there. One of the cool things I've seen, Brett, now that I've been vaccinated and going out, um, I've actually been, and I'm not sure if you've seen this, I've been to three or four places where I've actually seen people wearing Midas Touch merch. And That's I didn't, awesome. I know it's, it's really, really cool. But enough about Midas Touch merch. Let us move on and let us bring it. I got, I see Cohen is in the lobby right now. And so oh, I want to keep him wait. He's going to be mad. Joined by a Long Island icon. A Long Island icon, <laughs> six million downloads of a podcast. Maya Culpa, we got the fan favorite, Michael Cohen on the podcast. All right, so Michael? let me just let me just begin. What's going on, guys? So What's let me just word? begin by saying I haven't been a Long Islander since I was eighteen years old. So we're talking about thirty-seven years ago. I'm a city boy. Hate to say it. I don't think born, so, Cohen. Born I, in I, Brooklyn. I, there was a miracle mile. I, I'm going to give you a data point, Cohen. Yeah, you ready? My dad was walking two years ago in the thick of it, Cohen, in the Miracle Mile in Manhasset. And he goes, you know who I passed today? He goes, Michael Cohen in the Miracle Mile shopping there. Do you do you (laughs) shop at Miracle Islander to me? Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Cohen, Cohen, true or false? Uh, It's probably true. Probably true. Got him. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) I went to cruise the Miracle Mile. And for the record, Cohen, I, you know, we all basically left Long Island at 18 as well to go to our respective colleges and go to where we all live now. So, but I still consider myself at my core a Long Islander, but I I don't want to belabor this point too much, but I think in your heart, you're a Long Islander, but just overall, you're a New Yorker. I think you could at least agree on that fact. All right. I agree on that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not shopping at the Miracle Mile every day like Cohen. But Cohen, you are you're you're you're, you're crushing it. You're you're crushing it right now, though. I mean, the podcast is people love the podcast. You're speaking truth to power. I mean, ultimately, you know, the podcast is called Mea Culpa. But at the end of the day, you speaking the truth and being honest and standing up to Trump at the hardest moment possible probably felt like the shittiest thing to do at the time. But now do you feel vindicated? No, I don't feel vindicated. I'll feel more vindicated when I start to see others within Trump's orbit meeting the judge and letting the judge during sentencing put them away for 
one, two, three plus years, because then I'll feel vindicated. And what I'm really hoping is that as a direct result of the confiscation of Rudy Giuliani's electronic devices, that there will be emails regarding me. And this will, again, help to vindicate not just the illegal, unconstitutional remand of me back to prison, but all of the bullshit that was going on early on when they first raided my home. It's interesting how nobody then started jumping up and down and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong. Trump tried to do it, of course, without mentioning my name, but mostly he did it because he knew that in some way it would affect him. I don't think he ever thought it would affect him in the way that it has with me now doing everything that I possibly can to bring him to justice. And you saw Ru- Rudy's a big drunk, huh? Yeah, Rudy's a drinker. You know, he starts the morning off with his Chardonnay and finishes the night off with um, with scotch, uh, something substantially heavier, usually with a uh, with a cigar as well. And what do Three you main think? food groups. Well, you know, I, I think that is... <laughs> I'm not so sure. You know what? I like the fa- I like his diet because there's no carbohydrates in that. <laughs> it's a very potent mix, though, now that the feds and the SDNY investigation has his phone. People are saying, look, Rudy's in deep shit for what he was doing in Ukraine and trying to serve basically as a lobbyist for them, for the Trump administration to try to frame the Bidens. But... I don't know if proper attention's being shined on the fact that the feds have his phone. He's a drinker. He farts all the time when he's on TV. Imagine this guy who just goes around farting all day, what he's putting in text messages and emails. What do you think we're going to find, Michael? (laughs) Well, I don't know, but it certainly reminds me very much of the movie Animal House, right? Where Dean Wormer turns around and says, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Rudy is definitely exemplifying that. I will turn around and say this to you, though. My biggest hope is that whoever is on the other side of those emails, those text messages, people aren't taking the confiscation of his electronics the same way that I see it. It's not just about Rudy Giuliani. Right now, everybody's gung-ho on Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. But remember... Nobody, unless there's something wrong with you, you're a narcissistic sociopath like Trump, would ever turn around and just text themselves or email themselves, unless you're sending a note to yourself, right? So that means that with Rudy's devices, the communications has other people on it, whether it's Bill Barr, Jared Kushner, Don Jr., Ivanka, you know, um, anybody, right? Michael Flynn, maybe he's telling him about the you know the words for the you know national anthem here's the thing there's somebody on the other side of those communications and depending upon what those communications are then you're going to determine who's really in deep shit now rudy of course as a participant but certainly for sure somebody else you see rudy's kid do that ridiculous it's like a hybrid of like uh of Don Jr., of Eric, of Rudy, you know, they all want to be Trump and they're all have these daddy issues. It's just and what's amazing, you know, Ben, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's amazing. I'm glad you brought that up because in my book, Disloyal, something that I talk about a lot is Don Jr.'s relationship with his father. And since the first day that I met Don, which is around 2005, Don always used to make the comment, I can't stand my father. 
when I, when I get married and I have kids and all that, I, want, I don't want to be anything like my father. I want to be a father that's there for them. I want to be able to take my kids into the park, throw around a ball, you know, um, throw a football, kick a soccer ball, throw a Frisbee with them, something that he never, ever had. And it's not just him. Remember, Donald sent him off to the Hill School, and then they sent Ivanka off when she was of age, and then they sent Eric off also to the Hill School. So these kids not only didn't grow up with their father, maybe he was a looming presence, but they didn't grow up with him. And as good of a job, I guess, as Ivana tried to do, it really wasn't that great because these three children are starving. They are craving for attention from their father. That's why each one of them fights with the other to say the stupider thing that will get their, or the stupidest thing that will get their father's attention, which is how I guess they're translating it into love. It's a very sick dynamic. So where are these investigations going into former guy and which ones should we be paying closest attention to in terms of criminal exposure that's happening sooner than later? I think people are saying, what's going on? We hear about this investigation in New York. We hear about an investigation, you know, in in Manhattan, particularly. We hear about, you know, an investigation in Georgia. Which one should we be laser focused on? And is Trump in deep shit? Okay, so the investigation by the district attorney here in New York, Cyrus Vance Jr., is probably the most damaging to Donald Trump in two respects. First and foremost, even if he doesn't get jail time, which I'm not saying he will or he won't, I believe he will, but that's just my hope anyway, he's going to get financially wrecked when they determine that he failed to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. And then on top of that, you have the tax fraud penalty, which is enormous, and he does not have the liquid funds. He's not liquid enough in order to pay that off. So that's probably the most interesting to look at for the time being. Now, that all depends upon what exists in Rudy's electronic devices. Could you imagine if... On Rudy's device, he's engaged in a conversation with whoever, maybe Jared Kushner, regarding a pay-for-pardon scenario. Wouldn't that be something? Right? That, that just now opens up a Pandora's box to litigation, to incarceration, to a multitude of people. So anybody that engaged in conversation, text email or otherwise with Rudy Giuliani is probably shitting a brick right now. Who do you think is most vulnerable there um, in terms of those texts and emails? Well, certainly Rudy is the most vulnerable because they're his, but then anybody else that was involved. And obviously Rudy was communicating with Jared and Don Jr. and and a host of other individuals that were in Trump's orbit. Remember, it's not like the emails disappear. They already had for a while now his Gmail account, his iCloud. So anything that may have been removed, they already have it. And even if they didn't have it through the iCloud, they have ways of restoring deleted information. I mean, Quantico is pretty fucking good at what they do. Yep. That's, that's why the United <laughs> States is really the best at, you know, at intelligence. 
No doubt about it. And you mentioned the pay for pardons. And I think one of the interesting things that we all saw this week was that Roger Stone operation where he was allegedly taking $250,000 from that Greenberg guy in Florida to try to secure a pardon for him. Uh, I mean, what do you make about that? Do you think Trump was involved in these pay for pardon schemes? How high up does that go? Well, I don't know. Again, I haven't seen Rudy's you know, emails or his text messages, we will all find out at roughly the same time. <laughs> but it's interesting, the people who seem to have now really latched on to Donald, uh, and they latched on to him at a time when he is most vulnerable. So again, oh, going back to the whole notion that Trump doesn't care about anyone or anything other than himself, what will ultimately happen? Trump will throw them all under the proverbial bus, and they're then going to try to save their own ass by trying to turn on somebody else, thinking that they can do so to protect themselves. And at the end of the day, it's just not going to happen, right? I believe that there's going to be a slew of indictments coming out against a multitude. I mean, look at Matt Gates. Could you imagine if hypothetically there's an email or a text message between Joel Greenberg and Rudy Giuliani, and then Giuliani re replies back, spoke to, spoke to the president, um, he's working on it, blah, blah, blah. Really? Seriously? Spoke to Jared Kushner about, the, about a pardon, blah, blah, blah. Could you fucking imagine the sort of damage that this will do to our democracy? Yeah. The fact that you're not getting the pardon because you deserve it, because there was an error, because you've done your time and so on. You're doing it because... You were going to pay Donald? You were going to pay Kushner? You were going to pay somebody else for it? I mean, there's a reason why there's a pardon office. Trump just completely threw that away so that they could, again, continue to grift and grift and grift. That's just what they're about. What do you think of the latest with the uh, D.C. investigation into the Trump organization? I know Don Jr. Uh, had to sit for a video deposition, I believe, back in February. And now reports are coming out that he was lying or downplaying his role in the inauguration. He was saying that he wasn't at a wait, dinner. Wait, hold the on, night Brett, did you, Brett, Brett, did you <laughs> just say that Don Jr. lied under oath? Now, I know, you Brett. take that shit back. To Brett, you take that shit back. You Breaking take news. Those, the fucking Trumps don't lie. All right. They, they don't. They don't. Yeah, they don't lie. <laughs> they lie like you breathe. Oh, and let me ask you a personal question, Cohen. When you go on CNN, you're always wearing suits. Do you put on the suit for CNN and you just wear the sweatshirt for us? Or how do you make those decisions? <laughs> Yeah, so it's all based upon importance. Uh, since you're really not important, you get you're lucky you get a sweatshirt. You're lucky I didn't just put a tank top on, you know, for the three of you yo-yos, right? And look, you know, being caged up even in your own home for 22 hours a day is very difficult. It's you know, people want to make fun of, oh, well, you're home with your family. Yes, thank God, I'm home with my family. I'm trying to help I'm trying to rebuild you know my family and we have friends that will come over from time to time you know subject to of course their proof that they've been vaccinated and it's still it it's difficult and I have to be honest with you um the mea culpa podcast which by the way I came up with the name mea culpa because it's my initials right MC that's really how I came up with it it's been extremely cathartic for me because we spend it inordinate amount of time, as you guys know, preparing for the show in terms of the yep. introduction, the mea culpa, uh, reviewing information on the guests that are going to be there. So 
you know, that's why the show is popular because it's hard hitting, it's truthful, it's factual, and we talk about things that are relevant for today in terms of the news. I, without it, I have to be honest, um, you know, there's only so much Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max <laughs> or Paramount Plus that anybody can watch. So I spend a lot of time reading and I spend a lot of time helping to prepare, you know, for the show along with, you know, Audio Up, who's doing a great job and Podcast One that's out there and distributing it on the feed. So it's going very well. But without that, it's it's not easy. I mean, it reminds me of how I used to study when I was studying for the bar exam. You know, round the clock. Yeah. And Michael, as you know, the brothers very rarely let me get in any questions. I actually have two for you today. Uh, one has to do with actually something that you mentioned on on Mayakoba. So how just utterly bizarre is it for you, if you could just tell our listeners, as a lifetime New Yorker, just to see the demise of Rudy Giuliani? Wow. It's, remember, when I first started practicing law, it was 1991, and Rudy was at the you know, right, right there, um, doing some incredible things in order to revamp New York, getting rid of organized crime, which he was very successful at, getting rid of the, you know, the um, window washers that were basically on every single street corner. He got rid of 42nd Street, the old 42nd Street, and basically turned it into Disney. I mean, Rudy, as it as far as the mayor was concerned, was a very popular and he was a very successful mayor. Um, Unlike de Blasio right now, who is just a fucking disaster across the board. Then Rudy's handling of the post 9-11 in helping to keep New York not only safe by working with the feds, but in order to rebuild New York, um, he was very, you know, very successful in that as well. And then something happened to Rudy, and I don't think it's just simply the alcohol. I think a lot of it has to do with financial. I mean, after going through, what is it, like 30 divorces or something like that, it's very hard to, you know, keep your money, um, right? You got to give half away each and every time. And his business wasn't doing so great, the Giuliani Mm. partners. So he figured that he would latch on to the fat ass of Donald Trump and figure out how to grift from all of these foreign countries, um, which is exactly what he was doing in the Ukraine or the Middle East and, you know, rebuild his coffers. Well, turned out that's going to be his ultimate demise. I mean, talk about like very much. I always say this about the book Disloyal. I was not a rags to riches story. Thanks to working for Donald Trump. To the contrary, I was I was retired before I started working for Donald Trump. So my story is a rag, it's a riches to rags story because I got financially decimated as a result of all of this. So, mm. you know, I believe the same will happen to Rudy. I think his son Andrew is a complete fool. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that he's now contemplating on running for governor. I mean, yeah. like I said on television, the last time I saw Andrew, he was giving a golf lesson at one of the Trump National <laughs> Golf Clubs. So I think he's absolutely perfect for running for governor. I mean, so- <laughs> it's so stupid with those dumbass laminates of his. His mouth looks like he's got those plastic teeth that you buy for Halloween. There's just something about him. It's just so off. This actually leads me to, to my next question for you. It amazes me when these kids of great privilege, now adults, grow up to just be so utterly incompetent. And they don't even realize just how truly incompetent they are. So if you can, 
because I'm sure you've had conversations with all three of them. Can you rank in order the most incompetent child between Don Jr., Eric Trump, and Andrew Giuliani? Eric is by far the dumbest of the three children, right? Controversial. You know, Mary Trump says that Don Jr. is the dumbest. No, absolutely. She's 100% inaccurate. Um, Don is probably... <laughs> Don is probably the brightest of the three innately, but Don has zero confidence in himself because his father routinely, again, I talk about this in the book, so this should not be new to anybody if you read it. He used to constantly berate Don and say that Don has the worst fucking judgment of anyone he's ever met in his entire life. And he would say it in front of Don, in front of me, in front of just anybody that was there. I mean, he would say to the doorman just to denigrate his son. But Don innately is actually the brightest. Ivanka is the biggest phony of them all. Everything is fully prepared, scripted, from the blowing of the hair to the, you know, the breaths that she takes. She practices nonstop for any interview, wants all the questions in advance so she knows exactly where she's going with it. And then there's Andrew Giuliani. Andrew makes Eric look like a valedictorian of Harvard. <laughs> so, right, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, Andrew even failed Trump University. That's to give you an idea of just how stupid he is, right? <laughs> Jordy, did I answer your question? All right. Perfect. Michael, what do you think on, about this? Don't choke on that water bottle. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Michael, about this Mar-a-Lago exile? As we see, you know, he's doing weddings and he just goes up this lonely, fat, sick man talking about, you know, the big lie over They're gonna and over again. They're going to uncover the ballots today. It's going to happen uh, what do, today. What do, you mean about, what do you mean about the big lie? There's no lie. The lie is that I'm, I'm president. I, I, should, I should be the president, not just for the next four years, but forever, because nobody can do what I do, right? The economy is going to fall apart. Uh, the economy is not falling apart. Actually, the stock market is remains to go up day by day, right? I mean, just, I want people to go back and think for a second about just how stupid the former administration actually was in the handling of just about everything. Look, right now, today, they've just uncovered, was that 400 miles worth of dirt with all of the steel laying on the side of the road, right? That Donald Trump is building the wall. He's securing America. Without him, our country is going to be overrun by immigrants, right? And these aren't the type of immigrants that you want, right? These are the type of immigrants that are murderers and rapists and drug dealers. And there's a few of them that are good, right? Look at what Biden has done. Now, by the way, you have all of that steel. I do certainly hope that they do something with it. I mean, that's got to be I don't even know how many millions of dollars worth of wall that's just sitting there. And I do believe that now that everything is fully paved and ready to go, somebody should at least finish that job. There's no reason to throw away that steel, right? Finish that part out and then call it quits. I also think that they need to start working from the current administration on a legitimate immigration. They Look, I believe that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing a wonderful job for the first 100 days of his presidency, of this administration. However, that's not to say that he's done everything that he needs to do. Far from it. 
Prison reform, something that I've gotten very involved with, obviously, as a felon myself. There's so much that's wrong with the Bureau of Prisons. There's so much that's wrong with the First Step Act. I don't know if you know this, but two weeks ago, the Senate Judiciary hearing under Durbin and Grassley called in the head of the Bureau of Prisons, Michael Carvajal, and really wanted to know, hey, listen, my friend, we're the guys who actually wrote this First Step Act and we signed on to it. What's happening? Why are we now two and close to three years into it, December of 2018, when Trump put his John Hancock on the piece of paper? What's happening? Where are we going with it? What's doing? And it's only just one, one thing that needs to be, that really needs to be overhauled. The Affordable Care Act. We, we, need, we need proper health coverage for all Americans. And this is not something that should be controversial. All Americans should have proper health care. And There's just so much, as I was saying, that needs to be looked at, reviewed, and worked on. And fortunately, we have adults in the White House right now who will bring in people who can actually do this. You're not going to have Jared Kushner being brought in by this current administration in order to handle or continue to handle Middle East, right? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that was just another joke and a half. But... We'll see. They have a lot to do, and they really need to start jumping on it. Coronavirus, he's doing great. You know, the COVID relief package, fantastic. Infrastructure, let's talk about it. Let's get that moving. That'll help to restart the economy. You know, plenty to do. Plenty to do, Joe. Oh, and the Midas Touch fans love you. Every time we don't have you on, they go, get Cohen on, get Cohen on. Any final words to the Midas Mighty out there? Listen, Great program. Enjoy coming on. Happy to come on again whenever you want. There's a lot that's going on. There's going to be a lot that's going on, whether it's going to be the DA, again, bringing me back for another conversation, um, more documentation. The attorney general is all over this. Don't forget, we still have the pick issue in Washington, D.C. People forgot about the fact that there's $80 million that's still missing from the presidential inaugural committee. Something Stephanie Winston Wolkoff talked about um, a lot. You have the issue in Georgia with Raffensperger and so on. Um, there's the multitude of cases against Trump by various women um, who have alleged sexual assault. And it's you know as we as we wind this thing up, just think about all of the people that are in Trump's orbit that are engaged in this sexual assault, from the Matt Gates all the way you know to Donald himself. It's it's really um, it's an interesting analysis if you start to look to see the people who have surrounded themselves um, by Trump, the Rudy Giuliani's, as I said in my in my last ma- uh, my last mea culpa, you know, with his pants half open with Borat's younger daughter, you know, that yeah. panty pervert sniffing fool, right? I mean, let's be serious. Just look at the people that are now in Trump's orbit. They are just the bottom of the back. Steve fucking Miller, right? Who's a basically a self-loathing Jew, just a horrible, racist, anti-Semite himself. I mean, just a, he's just an asshole, right? So that's the people who now, Jason Miller, another asshole and a half. Listen, you know, Donald deserves everything that Donald's going to get. And let's just all keep our fingers crossed and hope that justice, the wheels of justice, you know, finally start to turn on him. 
Michael Cohen, host of the Mea Culpa podcast, over 6 million downloads. Thank you, as always, for joining us on the Midas Touch podcast. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Great interview with Michael Cohen. There's something about that Long Island energy. I'm telling you, it's a Long Island connection. Cohen tried to distance himself from Long Island there. Yeah, I mean, that was strange. I was a little. What do you think, little, do you think that's about? I don't know. I, I think Long Island carries a little bit of a stigma. But when you're talking with other Long Island, you know, folks, there's no stigma. You know, it's funny, though, too, because on the past episodes, Cohen fully embraced Long Island. Back with the Long Island boys. Go back yeah. and look at the other episodes. And so there's clearly a rebrand that Cohen's trying there. I don't know if it's his new, you know, metropolitan, you know, now that he's been proven to be completely vindicated. Maybe it's the right, six million downloads dis- on the My Copa podcast. They've gone yeah, to his maybe head now that he hits to New York. Million, he's got to be. I'm not really from Long Island. I'm from, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a little okay, of that. Okay, coming Cohen. From Cohen. Cohen, be proud of your Long Island roots. Once Long Island always Long Island. And once a trader, always a trader, which brings us to the next transition, Ted Cruz. And Ted Cruz basically, um, I mean, he's just the worst human being, you know, alive. Um, But amongst other things, you know, I guess Cruz in this tweet where he's trying to go after um, CEOs and businesses that don't support the big lie, going after businesses that support democracy and don't support voter suppression. Um, Ted Cruz basically admitted that he and the GQP basically were just involved in bribing schemes with large corporations, wherein for the obedience of the corporations to the political agendas of the GQP, in return, the quid pro quo was tax breaks and other benefits to the corporations. And so basically, as we've said on the other uh, podcast, we said it sounds a little Hugo Chavez-y, you know, Ted Cruz and these GQP members, which is the ultimate funny thing is that they basically, you know, try to criticize um, pro-democracy people by basically calling them Hugo Chavez and Castro. But when you really break it down, the Cruises of the world and the GQP leaders, the Trumps, are as Fideli as Hugo chavez as you can basically come. Tell us about the tweet. He's even dressing like Fidel these days, if you look at uh, Ted Cruz and the outfit he wore uh, down to the border. But this is what Cruz tweeted on Friday. He said, to America's watch me woke it up CEOs. I say, when the time comes that you need help with a tax break or a regulatory change, I hope the Democrats take your calls because we may not. Starting now, we won't take your money either. First off, the starting now is also kind of fun. Starting now, we won't take your money. I, let's, let's hold on to that because they're definitely going to take the money, first of all. Second of all, he's admitting to just taking you know large sums of money from corporations by saying starting now. And he's admitting to, like you said, this is being bribed by corporations to do things that benefit them. This is the entire corruption in our political system. It's taking, it's politicians taking money from corporate America and then building policy that benefits those corporations when policy should be benefiting the people of this country. And that's what this does. It's it's a clear admission that Cruz could care less about his fucking constituents 
That's why we say this is not a conservative party. This is not a party that cares about free markets. This is not a party that cares about people. This is a party that cares about billionaires. This is a party that cares about corporations. While Democrats want to get people universal health care, free education, they want to get people family leave, they want to get people infrastructure. Ted Cruz's primary concern is corporations who support the rule of law and democracy, and his focus is on how the government can attack those corporations and control those corporations and control people, by the way. This is not small government. The Ted Cruz of the world and the Josh Hawley's of the world want the biggest, most intrusive, dumbest government there is. They want to be in every facet of your life and in the life of corporate America. It's just full-blown fascism. And then, and then when they talk about woke, we've, we've covered this before, but the idea that woke is a negative to them. The idea that having intellectual awakening and advancing your mind and being open to the truth and the search for the truth is so brutally mocked by them. You know, there was a time where we would want to uh, getting a grade that's an A or a B or a C or a D or an F were objective criterias and that you could actually look at things scientifically and you can pursue the best course of action based on logic. Um, To me, when I think about what woke is, I think about woke as how do we best achieve a intellectual honesty? How do we best treat each other with respect and equally and the fact that that's so resisted is so wild. And using the examples of, of grades, you know, you know, now as the GQP starts positioning itself for who's going to run for president in 2024, you know, it's this obsequiousness. It's, it's this utter subservience to GQP former guy is, is how they could win in a primary. You know what Woke has replaced, by the way, what I was just thinking about, and sorry to interrupt uh, your train of thought, but Woke has replaced politically correct, right? They used to complain against, oh, the politically correct left, but now they have a new buzzword and it's Woke. I just want to say all we want is a Republican Party who aren't assholes and who believe in democracy. That's, that's basically it. Then we can complain about tax policy. Then we can complain about all the other issues that face America. But number one, don't be assholes. Believe in democracy. And your obsequiousness to a fraud, the biggest con man who's exposed as the biggest con man and former guy. And you, you look back on it and you go on TV. And, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, Lindsey Graham goes on. And the questions aren't even about golf. And he's just like, I just want to let you know, Donald Trump would kick my ass in golf. (laughs) Like there was no one was even asking that question. The fact that he has to go on Hannity knowing former guys watching that. Is that a Flounders from Simpsons impression right there? I don't know what that impression was. Instagram is a bit of the Flounders of the Senate. So uh, it's it's the clown. It's the clown. He did the clown laugh. Um, uh, Krusty the clown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Krusty. And He's then you have crusty. Chris Christie going on Hannity. Chris Christie. When asked how Trump did, please play this. <laughs> you grade Trump as president. Oh, listen, overall, I give the president an A. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter is that 
Um, there were some things that happened specifically at the end of the presidency um, that I think had some things that clouded his accomplishments. And that's why we as a, as a party need to emphasize the issues you just talked about and be talking about those because I think those are still incredibly popular with the American people. I give him an A if you know, if you forget about the things at the end of his administration, you know, the insurrection he caused, you know, where he had an armed insurrection against the United States of America and orchestrated mm-hmm. domestic terrorist attack. Yeah, just the, the 500,000 Americans dead on his watch. The only thing you give Trump an A in is he puts the A in treason. We'll workshop that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. I, I had sedition and insurrection, both that I was going to go off the top of my dome with, and I realized those are not A's, so I had to pay for the treason. Here's my question. Traitor would have been good. Ah, Chris Traitor. Christie says Chris Christie says he is not ruling out a presidential run. And so that is, I assume, why he's going on Hannity's show and saying, oh, I give Trump an A, except for all the stuff at the end. I give him an A. Who is the audience for Chris Christie? Because Trump people don't like Chris Christie. They don't really exist. But the more moderate side, the Mitt Romney wing of the party, I don't think they support Chris Christie. Who's the audience for this guy? Does this guy really think he has a shot in hell at even cracking the top like 10 in a Republican primary? I mean, look, the fact, and, and I think we'll just close the podcast with this. If you go back and look at the Trump administration, and you view that as an A, you are a sick fucking person. <laughs> you are the biggest threat. You are a walking, talking, nuclear bomb of a human being. If you look back at that presidency and grade it an A, and the fact that you have still not an insignificant population, although we're trying to make that population smaller and smaller by bringing people the truth at Midas touch. But the fact that you still have 25 to 30% of Americans who go back and look at the mass genocide, the insurrection, the horrible economy, the corruption, the nepotism, all of those things, it's just, that's just the beginning. I could go on and on and on for hours on this. You go back and you look at that and you give that an A, well, that's why we call that a death cult. Because the only way you're giving that an A is if you legitimately want to die. The only way you're giving that an A is if you legitimately hate America. There's a reason why they don't know the Pledge of Allegiance. They can't sing the Star Spangled Banner. There's a reason that they know the QAnon national anthem and don't know the very basic principles of our democracy and our constitution because people like Chris Christie are frauds. They're traitors. They are the enemy of the United States of America because they believe in killing Americans. It's that simple. And we get asked over and over again, what is Midas Touch going to do? You know, Democrats won in Georgia. You got the presidency with Biden. What's it going to do next? It's to defeat Trumpism, this virus, this disgusting strand of death cult QAnon politics. That's what Midas Touch is here for. That's what my brothers and I are here for. That's why we deliver the truth, the hard, cold facts every single day. Thank you. 
for listening to this episode of the Midas Touch Podcast. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!